Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Track Podcast. FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com is our email address. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack. On a Monday morning, we are talking NCAA Conference Championships. We're talking about Matt Centrowitz running a 335 and all the other highlights in the running world. Good morning, Gordon. How are you? Doing all right. It was a crazy weekend for me. Maybe not crazy, but uh, I was home alone for the entire weekend so i took advantage of that and all i did was watch track and field and nba basketball games for like 72 straight hours it was great it was glorious ate some chicken nuggets while doing it It was a good time do you know how there was a trending on twitter there was like a a chick-fil-a sauce shortage did you see that apparently that I was not on Twitter as much as you were. Apparently, apparently there was not enough Chick Fil A sauce, like in like the supply chain. So they had to like stop people from taking as much as they want. I, mm-hmm. be, two days prior, bought a giant like thing from like H E B of Chick Fil A sauce and Polynesian yeah. sauce, and then I had my own custom chicken nuggets and French fries. And so I was eating Chick Fil A all weekend. It was glorious. Chick Fil A, NBA, track and field. It was a great. It was a great time for Gordon Mack. We, uh, yeah, we, we also have that sauce. It just showed up in my fridge, and I wondered where it came from. And apparently, my wife. Yeah, this is pre-shortage. We've had it for a couple weeks. Started selling it in the stores, but I didn't know what to. I didn't have just a bunch of chicken nuggets around, so I've been putting it on hamburgers, which it tastes good on hamburgers. As well, too. We were we had our own personal ketchup shortage in my house just because I forgot to get ketchup for a couple weeks in a row. So I just subbed that in, and and we're rolling here. We're switching up the schedule this week. Do you want to tell people the new schedule for the pod this week and why we're switching it up? 
Yeah, so uh, obviously today, um, we're also going to go live tomorrow, Tuesday, and then again on Friday. Reason for that is uh, we have a, a pretty great track meet going down live on Flow Track on Wednesday. We want to make sure we can give a really good preview of it. It's the World Athletics Continental Tour Ostrava, where we're going to mm-hmm. see some big names match up against each other. We're talking Paul Chalimo versus Joshua Cheptegei in a 3K. Shikari Richardson in the 200, uh, Kenny B versus Fred Curley in a 200. Um, I think Timothy Chariot might be running an 800. So there's going to be a bunch of great stars from all over the world competing in what will probably be the best Continental Tour up to up to date. So that's going down live on Flow Track on Wednesday. We'll do a full preview tomorrow on Tuesday, and also we'll have a special guest on our podcast tomorrow. His name's uh, rhymes with uh, Billiard <laughs> McChogi, aka Elliot Kipchogi. So we got Kipchogi on the pod. Got to talk about there's an event that they're doing um, called the it's a marathon virtual relay. Talk a little bit about that. Ask him some fun questions about what his future is after the Olympics. Maybe he's going to get into ultra marathoning. Maybe he'll run Boston or Chicago or New York. We get into all of it. It's going to be a pretty good podcast. So we'll run that tomorrow as well. So Ostrava preview, Kipchoge interview, going to be good times all on Tuesday. And then we're back recapping it all on Friday. Wait, wait. Say that again. Say that again. People may not have heard this. Who is the guest on the pod tomorrow, Gordon? Elliot Kipchoge. There We've come go. a long way from just me, you, and Lincoln talking about who's the best NAU team of the 1990s. We got Iliud Kipchoge on the pod tomorrow. <laughs> you interviewed him. Two goats side by side. It's going to be incredible. Hey, it was always going to happen eventually. If you, Travis, if you bring up our SoundCloud account, go to soundcloud.com slash podcast. When we created our SoundCloud account, when we started this podcast a little over a year mm-hmm. ago, we had to pick a banner photo. Where is it? Travis, can you bring it up? Travis might be gone. There it is. Right, Show that right, on the right. screen. And we used Kipchoge as our right. as our logo, as our banner logo. So mm-hmm. it only makes sense that he comes on the pod he's a year actually, and a half later. He's actually pointing. If you see on the top there, he's pointing at the Ineos race. To he's the actually pointing to Gordon. To Gordon. Yeah. And the actual yeah, he's pointing he to me. was ready for it. Yeah. He, before he goes, me, I'm a goat. Gordon, you're a goat. Together, yeah. two goats on the same screen. This is incredible. I have not heard this yet. I'm also going to, I think I want to save it because I'm going to listen live with the, the viewers tomorrow when we play that. <laughs> and then we'll come back live. So I, I'm going to do, I'm basically doing a pre show for the Kipchoge interview. And then we're going to do a post show for the Kipchoge okay, interview. Okay. And then we'll talk about Ostrava. There's also a, a big meet going on uh, in the United States tomorrow, too. We won't have the results by the time we record tomorrow out at a- AP Ranch. So we'll have to cover that one when we do our normal Friday pods. We're going to go Monday, Tuesday, Friday. Is that correct? Yeah. We just want to make okay. sure we get people ready to go for that Ostrava meet, which is going to be probably one of the better meets of the year so far. So I'm excited. I mean, people yeah. are saying guy could be going for that 3K world record. Chalimo might be around for the for fun and maybe break an American record. I don't know. I mean, 3Ks, fast 3Ks aren't run that often, and 
when you have Ch Chalimo and Chepta guy in the same race, hey, you never know what can happen. Are people actually saying he's going for the 3K record? Because the 3K record is hollowed ground when you talk about hey, world record. So is the five. So is the five. So is the five K, and he just like seven twenty might off. have been better than that three K mark, or might have been better than the five K mark, right? Seven twenty. Seven twenty is the three K record for Daniel Coleman. I think I don't know. I don't have the point tables in front of me, but I think seven twenty was worth more than twelve thirty seven. I I could be wrong. I just that's a record Regardless. that's always eye popping to me. Seven twenty for a three K. It's just ridiculous. It'll be fun though. It'll be fun to see him and him and Chalimo. Uh, matchup because remember when we had the world record race last year, we had Chlimo on commentating, uh, yeah, with us on, on that race. So that'll be cool just to see those two guys and they're friends so. together, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, everybody's everybody's friends with Josh. When you break a world record, everybody's gonna be your friend. I feel like that's it. <laughs> like Kipchoge, Kipchoge breaks a world record, all of a sudden, Gordon's like, finally, okay, now you can come on the podcast for now a while. We're like, no, yeah, we had to wait till you broke several world records. Listen, I want to get to these conference championships because I know that's the uh, title of the show, and we're going to get to that. We're going to talk about a thing, Mo. We're going to talk about Terrence. We're going to talk about all that. Uh, oh, Preston brings up a good uh, point. Is Gordon going to ask Kipchoge about the Sixers? <laughs> you have to wait and find out. You have to wait and find out. But I want to start with Centro. I want to start with Centro because discussing the men's 1500, especially in the United States, has become a popular topic on this pod. Matt Centro, go Centrowitz goes to this sound running meet, runs 335-26, wins with ease, Gordon. It's easy now to say Centro is back, but perhaps now after we saw this, we could conclude that he never actually left. Because if you hadn't been paying attention, say you did not watch the beginning of the 2020 track season. So you knew about Centro before, but you just didn't watch the beginning, his first two meets when he ran, you know, 340 and a 150. And then you tuned into this race. You turn to the person you're watching with who was tuned in and was a little maybe nervous or worried if they were a Centrowitz fan, and you'd say, what's the big deal? What's wrong? This looked like an Olympic champion. This looked like a guy who was running a prelim out there. The amount of times he looked over his shoulder the last 100, it's not like he nipped everybody at the line. He was cruising running 335 and what you said what i said what a lot of people said going in to this meet was after those two off races we said he's got to show us something that was the moniker right he's got to show us something and i think something in this race if he got third fourth and ran 337 i think people would have been like okay he's trending in the right direction give him another month give him a championship setting he'll rise to the occasion but he went so far beyond that with this 335 and how he looked made it so clear that he is the favorite. I know all the college guys are going to be nipping at his heels here, but I was just, this was, this was a, a like a throwback. It made everybody look or feel silly for doubting him in the first place. Cause he looks so sharp. Yeah. And he definitely kind of lived up to his, status of being like i know how to do this game i know how to show up when it matters most i know when to be my best self when it matters and we look kind of looked at back at his history we talked about this 
And he has history of having those weird finishing ninth races, those weird running 150s or 149s. And we're like, is Sancho, what's going on with this? Is he hurt? What's going on? And then he finds a way to get back to himself and be the 335 that he can be. And in the U.S., being 335 shape is enough to to win a, a title. And I think the only th- reason why there might have been a little bit of doubt is because he's getting up there in age, right? So you have to know eventually the wheels will fall off and eventually it will come to an end. But he be- he basically proved that, like, yeah, that eventual is not this year. It's going to be mm-hmm. in a a year or two or three or four down the road. But it's definitely that eventual is not today. Uh, and he mm-hmm. confirmed that. And I think, you know, if you look at the race he beat, he beat Johnny Gregoric. He beat uh, Josh Thompson, his training partner. I would say the people that were missing from that race, obviously the two college kids in Yard and uh, Cole Hawker. And then you also have Clayton Murphy and Craig Angles. But Craig Angles hasn't been doing anything special. And Clayton Murphy, mm-hmm. you know, Clay Murphy's, I think, going to be a strong top three performer, but like, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard to see Clay Murphy beating Accentuates. And so I think the the parlay betting line that I'm going to be putting down is a Centro, Nagoose, Hawker, one, two, three. And, and not sure the order, but, you know, it's going to be one of those. Yeah. It's going to be those three up front in Nagoose, Hawker, and Centro. Yeah. And tier maybe if he runs it, I think we're gonna get we're gonna get some combo of tier and and Hawker being in the mix. I don't know who's gonna be in what event on Friday when we were talking about Nagusa's three thirty four in the prelim. We're just in awe of that because you're thinking, okay, what can he do in an Olympic trials race? What can he do now in another rabbit race? But you could almost extrapolate the same thing for Central here because he looked so relaxed and composed because we've watched enough Centro now. To know when he's like just just getting by, right? Just rounding into shape at the right time, and nipping people at the line, and, and using that great acceleration over the last three hundred. This was a show of strength from him. I mean, he took the lead somewhat far out by his standards. It wasn't a last fifty meters just burst to the outside. And I just think you revert back to your preconceived notions of Centro, which for ninety nine percent of people going into the season was, yeah, he's going to find a way to make the team and he's going to be a favorite to win the trials. I just, I mean, Fisher ran really well behind him uh, for an American, but Fisher, we don't think he's going to run the race. So there, and there was, there was no other new person in this race that, that really asserted themselves. So I think that the the top three you have makes a ton of sense. And of those three, who do you feel the best about? Well, I'm going to take the guy who's done this several times over versus (laughs) guy. Well, the other guys are going through it for the first time. Right, and the other guys are going to be coming off of the NCAA championship the week before. So if if you needed any reason, other reason to pick Centrowitz, I'll give you a couple right there. Doesn't mean he's uh, immune from an upset or immune from a from having a bad race, but having three people beat him now just doesn't seem likely at all. Yeah, you look at the rankings on your screen now. That okay? This was pre. Uh, Yared running his 334 and pre Centro running his 335. But yeah. it seems to be coming into form there. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Angles and Murphy, but like it's just the odds of Centro falling all the way to fourth. I just don't see happening anymore. Um, 
we did talk about Cooper Tier, which we'll talk about a little bit later when we talk about later in conference meets, but we keep on sleeping on Cooper Tier as a fifteen hundred meter runner. I think we just all I am all just assuming he's running the five K because you think, uh, oh, distance guy, five K runner. Yeah. But like Cooper Tier has been having Hawker's number in the mile multiple times now. Cooper beat him in the mile when he ran three fifty. Cooper beat him in that fifteen hundred when he lost right when he lost at the line to a yard and a goose. And then Cooper yeah. went on to win Pac twelves where he beat a Sam Tanner and and company. Like Cooper Tier might also be a, a sneak. So I think it could be it potentially could be three college kids versus Centro in that final yeah. where, you know, I mean, I don't think all three will make it. Central will be in the top three, but definitely we have three candidates to make two, take two of the spots in, in the college world, which will be, right. I'm not sure when's the last time two college kids have made an Olympic team in a distance event. I don't, it's probably been forever. I don't know. Someone, if someone can find that out in the chat, much, much love. When's the, has there ever been a time where two two or more college kids made an Olympic team in a distance event? I think I think it was a good run for Thompson too, three thirty seven. Yeah, that's a that decent result for him, and knocks a little bit of time off. You know, he hopes one of these you know college kids has a bad race, burns out a bit. He's right there. I'm not counting out angles yet too, but of that top top seven, top eight that you had, I think that's where the the qualifiers are going to come from a lot more clarity now than before. I mean, yeah, I'm interested if Tier d- does do it. I mean, it'd be great for the memes if Tier does it with Centro and Hawker and all those guys are are in the mix. But part of me thinks they're going to split them up between the 15 and the five. I don't know. I don't know if that's actually what they're going to do. But it, it seems like you, whatever they run at NCAA's might be what they run at trials, and that might be a faulty assumption on my part. But if that's the case, you'd think that they would split them up for NCAAs as well, too. Could we talk a little bit about what happened in the beginning of the race? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, rough and tumble. Travis, yeah. if you find that tweet, there's a tweet, uh, Athletics. Um, someone tweeted it out. But that – okay, first of all, for those who didn't see it, Mohamed – here, let's put it up here. Mohamed basically body-bagged Eric Avila – and pulled him down with him. It was very okay. Avila was shoving uh, Mohamed in the beginning, but then Mohamed really—he's like, "We're all going down together," and just yeah. yanked him down with him. What are your thoughts on this? Who's at fault? Are both at fault? What was your takeaway from that? Well, I mean, it's very clear from the video evidence here. You don't need to—you don't need to call Secaucus, New Jersey, and be on a headset for ten minutes to realize that. Ahmed grabs Avila's upper body and pulls him to the track. It's probably instinct take. And I don't think Mohamed was like, you're going down with me, buddy. I think it's more just instinct of like you're falling and you grab onto anything that's around you. The big screw up here was they didn't call the race back. You got one thing that you have yeah. to do here if you're an official – and it wasn't like the fall happened towards the front of the pack or the side. or It was like as plain as day. And there were plenty of red flags because Ahmed, as you can see, he's going back and forth across that lane for 10 strides. You could totally see what is going to happen. You could have your pistol ready to, to call the race back. For some reason, 
they don't do it, which totally ruins the race for everybody involved. Ahmed comes back at night, though, and runs the, runs the 5,000 and wins that race. Was he run 13-18? So that's got to be the strangest day of racing for him. Avila came back and rabbited, I believe. So he got a little bit of he ran a work in. 340. He also ran a 340-15 in like one of the slower 15 heats. Oh, okay. So he was in the – did he rabbit? He rabbited another heat, though, didn't he? As well, I too. think he rabbit a little bit the 5K, yeah. Okay, Regardless. so he ran 340. But Avila wanted the standard, needed the standard, <laughs> right? So that that's a missed opportunity for him. But, yeah, I mean, if you were like – if this was a different sport where you could blow the whistle and assess the fouls, it would be it would be on a med. That's not the way track works. And the way track works is like the official has to get it right in the moment. Otherwise, the whole thing goes up in smoke, and that's basically what happened here. What's this thing that Travis is trying to queue up? What's it, Dick Van Dyke? Woke up this morning like Dick Van Dyke. I can't read that. I can't read the text because my, my screen's too small. But <laughs> Travis, if you can text it to us, it would be funny. Anyway, what does it say? A lot of falls this weekend, says? though. A lot of falls this weekend, though, with uh, Festus Legat in the, in the Big 12. I mean, not a fall, but some aggressive racing, I guess we'll say that. Oh, that's Eric Avila. Woke up with Dick Van Dyke. Hey, man, I, I just – yeah. Okay, so what What do you think was worse? The the body – the pulling down of Eric Avila or what Festus Legat did to you, Yusuf I mean, Barisma? It was insane. Yeah. Like, I mean, what's worse? I, th this one is worse. This, well, yeah. okay, it's, it's different, right? Because – uh, he didn't. This is a more flagrant foul because you can't you can't chalk it up to okay heat of the moment the start. There's a bunch of people around me. I just grab it. Like it's very clear what he's gonna do. But he didn't ruin the other guy's race because he ended up winning the race. Do I have that correct? Yeah, Yusuf still won the race. That was at the finish line, and Legat ended up getting DQ'd. Legat ran a fast time, but got second in that race. But that was so like. I mean, That's so basically, Festigat did what you everyone wants to do, but always like chooses not to because they know they'll get in trouble. But he was yeah. just like senior year, screw it. I'm <laughs> I'm just gonna. I want the win, even if I know I'm gonna get DQ'd. I just want that feeling of winning. I think Yusuf had just beaten him in a 1500 like an hour prior, really close, yeah. and he was like, I'm not letting it happen again, uh, no matter what, even if I go down fighting uh because here's the thing the like if you're gonna the like uh yusuf dramas enticing you got to be gradual with that move if you're gonna try to move a guy outside you got to do be gradual with it he took a very sharp direct turn like you can run people out and not get it called if you do it little by little but he he procrastinated on his move and he waited to the last minute and then just totally took a took a right turn there so I, I yeah I think that one is a is a more obvious call, but it had less of an impact on the race just because luckily he was able to stay on his feet and and still win it. The thing that's unfair about track, if he gets wiped out there, there's no recourse. They don't give him ten points. You that's you true. DQ Lagat, sure, 
but it ruins the person's race who actually won and deserve to win. We've seen that before time and time again. There's only, you can only, you can punish the perpetrator, but you can't elevate the victim at all. You can't, you can't. The only time though. can rerun the race or anything you like can that. Ele- you can elevate the victim if it's a prelim, right? That's the only time you can elevate the victim. Sure. Because they can be like, oh, sure. we'll advance you to the final. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, because that happened multiple times in the trials last year, right? We saw like Craig Engels and Shaq, Shaq Walker and all there back yeah. and forth in the 800 and people sure. were getting an advance. We had a nine-person final in the eight, I think. Um, but like yeah. – yeah, and this would this probably would never happen, but you could be in the final of an 800 and with uh, 50 meters to go, you're in fourth place. You could like – full-on tackle somebody like your DK Metcalf chasing them from behind, you would get DQ'd, but what would they do with the third-place person? They would get passed over. I mean, I'm sure there would be a a lengthy appeals process if it was a a trials spot on the line, but usually what happens is you just DQ the person who committed the foul, and then it's tough luck for everybody else. Yeah. Imagine if that Big 12 finish was the exact same thing but the person who was about to win gets pushed and falls, and it was a. What, what would USATF do? Yeah. Would they just give the three trials positions to the the fourth, like re, DQ the guy who did the push, and then give like third, fourth, third and fourth the? I don't think. I mean, would. fourth, fifth, they, and fourth, fifth, and sixth make the team. They would probably just elevate the next person up because then there'd be all this. Well. But fourth place was charging. Fourth place might have might have caught him too. So how do we know for sure that everybody would be like parsing the videotape? Uh, Dylan on the chat says Vincent Kiprop of Alabama and Luke Mead of Arkansas got DQ'd in the SEC 5K for cutting into each other and arm fighting. So I guess <laughs> I guess it was a chippy it's weekend all around. around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arm uh, fighting. Arm fighting. What is yeah. arm fighting? Is that? It's a new way to say yeah. the word shoving, I guess. Or like Whenever elbowing, I hear that, it's I'm called arm of, fighting. I'm just reminded of Zoolander where he goes, they're breakdance fighting. That's all I think of when I hear <laughs> arm fighting. Do we, do we have video, Travis? Can we find video, Travis, of the the, the Kiprop DQ with the arm fighting with Luke Mead? Because I guess it was pretty chippy the entire there. there rule 15-5.3b, thou shalt not arm fight. At the SEC championships, but if we find the video, we'll 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 pull it up. The big news at SECs was the thing, Mo. Forty nine eighty four, U twenty record, US record, number three NCAA all time, becomes the eighth member of the sub two sub fifty club. She also split forty nine nine on the four by four. This is basically the indoor season. She's playing out again. She crushes records in the eight. She moves to the four, crushes some records there, drops in some four by fours, puts some impressive times. I don't know what else to say about a thing, a thing Mo right now, other than I'm really curious what she does at the NCAA championships. You know, they asked her after, what are you going to do with the Olympic trials? And she's at the 800, which obviously that makes sense. Her better event um, for making the team is definitely in the, in the 800. But I want to know NCAAs. What do you think she ends up doing? 
I think she'll end up doing the eight at NCAAs, but I hope I'm not going to get away with you. You just said 800s are better event. I disagree with that. To make the team? 100%. Yeah. 157 isn't an easier way to make the team than a 49.9 right hey, now. Hey man, 157. you know, you know, you know, to make the 800, it's three rounds back to back 800s. That is a unique situation that most 800 meter runners aren't prepared for. There, there literally is only two meets in the entire world where you got to run three 800s in four days, and that is the Olympic trials and the world rounds. championships. She runs 157. She's going to jog some 203. She's fine. She's been running around since she was like 10 years old. She's done every event. There's a difference between running There's a difference between running rounds and running three 800s, high stress level 800s in 4 days. You saw it happen to Dominic Brazier is going to break the world record in his career and he couldn't handle it. Like You keep comparing her to Dominic Brazier. Dominic Brazier was not breaking U20 records. When he was when he was a free, he did not have the experience. He had not raced internationally. We we need to stop with the Mo to Brazier comparisons just because they're both freshmen at Texas A and M. One fifty seven right now in the U S. gets you a lot farther than a forty nine nine. That's all I'm saying. So That's it's, not and true. internationally, internationally even more so. You're gonna run. You want to run uh, a forty nine nine is not going to get you. She could win gold theoretically at the Olympics in the eight hundred. Her, her oh, best no, event dude, is in no. here. No. Put put up the current U.S. 400-meter uh, top times, Travis. And you're going to tell me that a thing, Mo, this this event isn't an event that she can make the team? Look at that. I said her better – I'm not saying she can't make the team. I'm saying her better event for making the team and succeeding at the Olympics is in the 800, not the 400. Yeah, you have, we, have to, you have, we have to talk. We can't just look at the screen. This is an audio media. Well, no, I'm trying to think what you said. Oh, you're saying the better – so she has a better do well at the Olympic final in an eight than an Olympic final in the four is what you're saying. So she should yes, choose the I also think it's and I also think it's easier for her to make the team in the eight than it is in the four. I'm not saying she can't make it in the four. I'm saying it's easier for her to make the team. There's a lot of women who are going to run 59 or 49. There's not a lot That's of women not true. who are one fifty-seven. Yeah, there are. We've already seen. We've already seen what Hayes has done it. Shamir Little has done it, and we're just getting into the meat of the season. You're going to see Lena Irby do it. You're going to see people like Shakima Wimbley do it. You're going to see potentially Kendall Ellis do it. You're going to see Allison Felix potentially do it. There's a lot of people who can run forty-nine. One fifty-seven gets her out of the crowd in the eight hundred. Because the crowd in the women's 800 is a lot closer to 58-59. Mo running 157, but she did early season. You think she could potentially even go 156. She's out of that group. She's in with the Audrey Wilson tier right now. She's not in it. With I, understand, else. I understand. I understand that 157 is so much. Group. I I understand that 157 is so much better than the 159. But again, she ran the 157 when that was the only race of the day. Where it's like you're just here for this. You're training all week to run one race in the 800 on your home track. That is very different from training to do an 800. You have to qualify, then a rest day, and then back no, no, back to back 800s. She's gonna then run a rest day, in the 400. She's got rounds in both. There's not like there's no rounds in the 400. What are we talking about here? You're worried about her getting but, through rounds. I think she's gonna no, be prepared the four, for rounds. 
The 400 so is a lot simpler of a race strategy. You just go. Whereas an 800 is like, what if you go and all of a sudden, hey, we're going out in, we're going out in 65 seconds. Oh crap! I got to make sure I have the best kick, or else I'm screwed. That happens. That we're like, be, yeah, hey, she's, she's I'm used to run 49. I think she's fine with her kick. I think she would love going out in 65. That's handing a thing with a race on a silver platter if you go out in 65. She's got the best. Not necessarily. Kick. Yes, she's fine. She's fine. So what do you think she should run into the blaze? That's where this conversation started. What Hold she, on, no. A ride? lot of times the a lot of times the best uh people with kicks aren't the people with the fastest 400 meter PB. That's not how the 800 works because the Dwayne Solomons and the Donovan Braziers, early Donovan Braziers, they were definitely the best quarter milers in the race, but if the race went out slow, then the Clayton Murphys and the Nick Simmons were able to take advantage of that, even though they're not out there running 44-second 400s. They're more like 46, 47 guys. But in slow races, the people with the best kick aren't the quarter milers. It's the 1,500-meter the runner type guys. That's a fact. Listen, if you want to die on the hill of if it went out in 65, the woman who has a 49-season best and a PB wouldn't find a way to make it on the team, that's fine. I don't think we're ever going to be proven right or wrong on that because I don't think they're going to go out in 65. But if you want to hold that position, that's fine. But let's get back to my question. What is she going to do at NCAAs before the eight? I think she'll do the eight at NCAAs because I think that she's going to want to get more reps at the eight, win an eight. She already tried the four and indoors. I think she, she, need, she needs to do – I think she'll do the eight at NCAAs, but I also think she should do the four, eight, double at the trials uh, because the 400's first – then there's like three days and then the 800. You run that 400, make a, at least a relay team. I mean, she'll win the 400, I think, right now. And then you go into your 800 kind of stress-free because you're like, all right, I'm good. I'm going to the Olympics. Let's see what happens. And then she'll have less pressure. But if she sits on her butt, watches a 400 team get selected where she sees the person who got third runs 50.2 – She's going to be like, what have I done? I am so much better than these women, and I'm just letting them go to the Olympics without me. Oh, crap. Now I got to go up against Ajay Wilson. Now I got to go up against Raven Rogers, who's a silver medalist. Oh, crap. Now I got to go against Hannah Green, who actually looked pretty good in the track meet. I don't mind. She this was like is, a dead last. And she, all the people uh, listening, this is why you don't get too attached to your take, because Gordon has basically convinced himself that a thing Mo <laughs> has a better chance of winning the 400 – at the Olympic trials, yes. she does in the 800, which is just a really that's bizarre. That's a fact. No, bizarre that's not bizarre at all, dude. That's not bizarre at all. The 800 is not a one-race event. It is three Neither races in four days. You, I, do you, have you seen a 400? It's not a one-race event either. None of these are one-race I'm one sorry, race but running three, no. running three 400s is not as hard as running three 800s. That's a fact. Listen. I keep on saying that's a fact, but no, there's no like fact book on this. <laughs> it's just, more like that's an opinion by Gordon Mack, which I call a fact. Okay, here. Let me explain to you this way. She ran that 800 at the Michael Johnson fight. She went 60-57, negative split, okay? She's got more to give in the 800. She's got more to go in the 800. That was not by any way, shape, or means her ceiling in the 800. I do, I'm not saying the ceiling of her 400 is what she ran this weekend at SECs, but I just think she's scratching the surface with the 800. And if you're running 157 and you have more to give, again, you're you're in the Ajay Wilson group, 
right? You're not in with all these other people that you've been mentioning. You're in the Ajay Wilson group of people who can actually go that quickly. 400, you're still mixing it up with a lot of people in that 49 high range. I think what she's going to do, of people? my prediction. Yes, Little is going to be in there. Quinera, hey, I, I don't want to name all the people. I've already named it, but there's going to be a lot of people who run 49 high this year. It's just, that's going to happen. Okay. Here's, here's what I think is going to happen. Uh, I think she's going to run the four. I think she's going to run the four at And then I think she's going to run the 800 at trials because I think what they're trying to do is not burn her out like on one event. They're trying to keep it fresh, freshman year, all this stuff. So they're, they're, they're trying to do different things to make it so that she's sharp towards the end of the year and not, you know, not running too many races. We saw her run a 1500 this year, obviously run a lot of 400s. That's my take. That's my There's opinion. nothing you can do in a time trial in an 800 that will overcompensate for what it's like to run the truck run uh, multiple heats. I agree that you're. Di- I agree that it's different. I I agree with your point that it is different than a Diamond League race, but I also agree that there's people who succeed in both. Ajay Wilson succeeds in both. David Rodisha was pretty good in the Diamond League and pretty good in rounds. There's a lot of people. If you run the time, you can run the time. I just think I you're, putting you're, way too much, you're putting way too much credit. To, like you're you're acting like her going out there running a 204 in the first round and then going in the next round and running a 201 is only hurting her. And it's not going to be a challenge for everybody else. It's going to be a challenge for everybody out there, but she's, it's she's not about capable. the time. There's going to be other people who are run the 204 and 201. You get, and like she could run 204 and 201 and her. be out leaned. Like just, you think, okay. You think it's like a Dwayne Solomon situation. She's going to go out yeah. and just stop. No, they're prepping her for this. They're not, it's not going to be like, Hey, a thing, by the way, this meet, it has rounds. I know you've never done that before, but what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to run it, then you're going to have to go the next day and run it again. I assume they are preparing her to handle rounds. 157 is 157. That's a good shot. Here's what I think, though. 157 you said, is 157? Yeah. Do you know what 157 prelim is? Time, prelim time is PR time, baby. <laughs> Don't forget that. Either. 157 is my 800 PR, so – that's thing why Mo you're upset. And I are, are in the same go. conversation. Now, now you with Thing Mo and Ajay Wilson are in that tier. You from ten years <laughs> yeah. ago. That's why now I now I see why you're upset about it. Maybe here's more. The thing, Probably it's high school. I'll, here's the thing though. Before indoors, you said, "Hey, the issue she could have indoors is she could get bumped out of that pole position. It could throw off the rhythm of a race, and then she could not win, which is exactly what happened. Which, that's not that's not going to go. For but that's not going to happen." Well, that's not gonna happen in the 400. So again, that, that's another reason why you think, okay, she's gonna be fine in the in the quarter. But I don't know. E- either way, I think she could. She's gonna quit herself. Well, listen, eight women in history have done this. It's it's it's, uh, it's remarkable to think about. I just get upset because I want to be right. I want to be right with my take here. But then if I'm right, that yeah. means she doesn't make the team, and I don't want that to happen because I think it would be cool if she made the 800 meter team. So it's like this weird feeling. It was like. You know, maybe I need her to get like third, but barely get third to kind of say like, "Hey, I told you it was close," but you'll then you'll ride on your victory. That's my. Verse. That's the problem. This is you need to stop with just being so dead set on clinging to your take, even when it's gone. I can let go of the take, right? I can say, "I was, I was wrong," and it can drift away and float out into the ether, and I'm fine with it. What else do you want to talk about? Do you want to go back to the pros, or do you want to stay with SECs? 
Oh, here we go. We got the 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 arm fighting. What is this? Oh, okay. Here we go. The, are they showing it? What, what, I don't see the arm fight. Where's the arm fight? Okay. Nothing. They're looking at each other. All right. Oh, boom. Oh, my goodness. Oh. <laughs> it's like a hockey check. That that's was, a, yeah, that's that like great. arm fighting. That's hip fighting. That's Vincent definitely Jeff like Rob, what man. you – that's like trying to draw contact in a basketball game right there. Vincent Kiplop listening too much to the NBA track podcast known as the flow track podcast. That's hilarious. I mean, this is, yeah, this, this is definitely, there's something going on between Alabama and Arkansas on this meet. Uh, what's funny though is, okay, so he gets DQ'd for that, right? But it's like no harm, no foul. They both stay on their feet. They're both able to keep running. Yeah. There needs, there needs to be somebody who's able to, discern in real time whether or not that that does that warrants a, a dq do you think he knew at that moment he was gonna get dq'd this is a 5k and they're four minutes and 53 seconds into it that's gotta be a super annoying it's like i run 10 more minutes and i yeah. don't even know i'm well, going to yeah well yeah. dylan also says the arm fighting started at the 200 200 meter mark so it, it went on basically for the for more than a mile here but <clears throat> yeah that was a, gotta uh, love arkansas alabama rivalry gotta love it SEC, man. I guess everywhere. This is this is incredible. All right. Let's talk about Laird in the 100. How about that? Let's talk about the 100 in general. It's getting interesting. Laird goes 980, wind-aided. Uh, Sean Maswangani of Houston goes 987, wind-aided. Laird also ran a 1982. That SEC, well, the 100 and the 200 from SECs was really good with uh, Fambula and Bowling, Lance Lang in the mix there. Uh, what what do you think of of Laird's weekend in the hundred that we have shaping up? Yeah, I mean Laird is proving to be uh, not just a real deal at the NCA level, but he's going to be a a main challenger to make the trials to to make the Olympic team, especially in that two hundred. He's run nineteen eight now three times, twice yeah. legal, once uh, wind aided. You gotta like his chances, um, Sean Masco. I don't know how to say it's a Maskawava? Maskawana? Maswangani. I don't know how to say it's Maswangani. I was way off. Maswangani. He's he's uh already been at this level, but now like Carl Lewis and Leroy Burrell have taken him to like the new level where I think he's gonna be progressing well there. I can see him making an Olympic final for South Africa. Uh mm-hmm. I think I would give the advantage to Laird right now because he's just been so consistent. Um and Javon Martin, who ran a nine nine four elite win legal in Florida, yeah, he, he kind of had an interesting weekend because he didn't run the hundred at ACCs, and he got second in the two hundred at ACCs. So the person who we thought—I mean, he did get second to his teammate, but that was kind yeah. of an interesting situation. It was like, what's going on with Javon Martin? But yeah, Javon Martin, Terrence Laird. Uh, Houston kid, Matt Bowling was running well. Also, throw in uh, uh, Micaiah from Oregon, who actually didn't have that good of a Pac-12 meet, but he's sixty meter champ. Micah. Micah. It's gonna be Micah. Sorry, Micah Williams. It's gonna be a good sprint, one hundred yeah. and two hundred <laughs> battle. We're gonna see in NCAA's, and I think we should see some fast times, especially with Terrence Laird running out of his mind. I still think we could see a nineteen sixty nine from Laird and uh, break that collegiate record. 
Yeah, it's again. So here's the here's the here's the thing. I'm not holding on to my take. Last week, I was like, eh, it's 1969 might be a bit ambitious. I'm walking that back. I'm gonna say, you know what, you might you might be right. You might be right. Layer just the consistency, boom, boom, boom. Otto Bolden tweeted something to the effect basically, there's not three guys in the US who are gonna beat Terrence Laird. Basically saying he's a favorite to make the Olympic team. The problem is I can't imagine an Olympic team without Noah Lyles. Neither can my house. Kenny B <laughs> looks really solid. And I know that Kenny B, uh, you know, he made that 2019 team under really strange circumstances. But I think he's put up enough solid performances that you feel really good about him. So then you're basically saying, okay, there's one spot left. But I think Otto might be right. If you've run 19-8 that many times, three people aren't beating him in, in Eugene in June. Um, it's one, we often see college kids pop the big one and then nothing happens, right? Then they, they regress to the mean a little bit, but when you've done it as many times as Laird has done it, you have to feel pretty good. Now, 1969 is, that's a whole other level up from there, but also we've seen insane sprint performances. I guess for that, we'd need, we'd need some new Hayward magic on that track something wind legal, but also bump that two point. If it was in Texas and it was hot, like we saw before back in 2019, almost uh, that'd be a better bet. But yeah, he's, he's, I mean, he's making really good runners uh, look average behind him. Yeah, I agree. Um, Laird, it's going to be fun. Just looking like, the U.S. trials, you're seeing more and more of these college kids become more and more legitimate locks mm. or, like, super, yeah. like, not locks, but, like, close enough to lock, you can think. Like, but the Lairds, you got the Gooses, you got some Tamara Clark, <clears throat> who we didn't even mention. She's been running sure. out of her mind for Alabama. I put her in our top three in our rankings. You're like, Tamara Clark, no, but, like, she's ran 10-8 uh, and ran 10 – uh, and twenty and, and twenty one eight when aided, that's pretty good. Like, yeah, you don't like Tamara Clark might be my new Abby Steiner because Steiner's injured right now and I'm not seeing it. So uh, Tamara Clark of Alabama, uh, she's she's the real deal as well. Yeah, it's just a matter of can you hold it now another month because people running insane times at SECs in particular on the sprint side and in, and in field events. Putting up amazing marks is nothing new. The question is just can you get it to not just NCAAs, but can you get it the extra week or so to get you to to Eugene? But, yeah, I mean, sub-11 right now in the United States is going to put you in the conversation just with how people have been running on the pro side of things. I wanted to talk about the team race real quick as it pertains to Laird because we talked about LSU with the potential for 100 points. So And we said maybe they could sweep. So in this meet, they got Noah Williams in the quarter. They got Laird in the one and the two. They got Damian Thomas in the high hurdles. Uh, Burrell finished second in the four hurdles, so they didn't sweep everything. And then I don't think they won the, I don't think they won the four by four either. But they got a big performance out of Javon Harrison, uh, as per usual, particularly strong in the high jump with two thirty six, which I'm excited to see because I'm I think you know the U- U.S. I think needs another uh, world threat here, and Javon Harrison's two thirty six. You know, that's a big that's a big bump up and that puts you in the conversation with you know, it's diamond league level stuff right there. I think it's wild that a team that is gonna be heavy favorite, potentially score over a hundred points, be like all time great, got third in their conference. 
<laughs> like it just shows how the NCAA scoring works. Like you could be the third best team in your conference and be one of the greatest NCAA yeah. teams of all time. Or is anything as well? Because obviously uh, the reason why Arkansas and Alabama beat them is because they're able to get points in distance races that they're not sure. going to be able to replicate at the NCAA level, which LSU won't have to worry about. So LSU will be able to replicate their wins. Arkansas and Alabama won't because throwing Oregon, NAU, and all those BYUs, they don't score as many points. But then that's kind of interesting. Uh, speaking of other conference meets, dude, like, I think Connor Mance's cross country win is one of the most impressive wins ever. And the reason ah. why nah, here we is go. because. Here we go. You see the man that he beat and what he's capable of, it just it makes it just makes Connor's win even more incredible. I'm talking about Wesley Kip too at the Big 12 Championships. He didn't just win the 10k, the 3k steeple and the 5k like conference wins. You think, "All right, sit and kick. You close in the fast 400." No. He ran <laughs> He started at the 10K. He runs 20-22. There's no reason for him to run 20-22. That was his first race. And it was it was a late night race, too, I think. I think. Oh no, maybe mm-hmm. Steeple was late. But he runs 28-22. Then the next day he runs 8-31. And then he runs 13-29. All of these, he didn't need to run fast in any of these. He wins by like 10 plus yeah. seconds at every event. What are your thoughts on that triple? Is that the greatest triple you've ever seen? 28, 22, 8, 31, 13, 29? It has to be, right? I remember some back in back in the day, Robert Cheseret of Arizona would go to Pac-12 and do a 15, 5, 10 triple. And he was beating Rupp, if I'm remembering correctly, to, to win those fives and the tens. And it was just one of those things where if you were at the meet, every it seemed like every half hour you looked up, he was running something, either a prelim or a final. The way they had these races set, right? All these were straight finals. So so you had one final on each one of the three days. It makes me think that the sport as it's currently constructed is not set up for Wesley Kiptu. Wesley Kiptu needs track to be designed like a Tour de France. Wesley Kiptu (laughs) needs a 20-day stage race where he's just going every single day now, even still, he's going even hard by that standard because in the Tour de France, there's some times when they sit back with the pack and, and let other people do the work. The 5K is really what sets it over the edge for me because it's the last event here, and he runs 13.29 in this race. 13.29. I get it. 5K is crazy this year. 5K is super fast. That's just like an insane mark to put, by, you know, to run by yourself. Um, what was the gap? Let's look at the march. Yeah, let's, let's start yeah. the 10K. What was the 10K gap? Let's throw up the 10K results, Travis. 10K was from that, yeah, that, that first day. Yeah, so 10K was, gap. Beats he his teammate. By, he didn't it's, a, yeah. it's just like – I'm bringing up the results of my own screen because I can't I can't read our, our thing. But the, the 10K he wins in – like 20 plus 25 plus seconds and there's no need for him to do that because edwin Kurgan i would say went one yeah i would say went one two three four so it's not like they would lose any points he goes out in 62 in the 400 and the rest of his teammates are going out in 72 he has a 10 yeah, second yeah. lead after 400 meters of a 25 lap race that makes 
no sense. But that's what it's a kip to. It's like insane. His his teammate, his teammate, NCAA champion Edwin Kurgot, who can push the pace too, is all saying, "Man, that's too much." Like you're overdoing it, even by my standard. Then he runs the steeple. This is steeple debut, correct? No, he ran steeples and JUCO, but he what they weren't fast steeples. Okay. So he he's jumped over a berry before, but not at this speed and pace. Okay, is he a steepler now? Because he he wins by fourteen seconds. Because look, I don't want him to I don't want him to be pushed out of the five k. But it makes me nervous when he runs the steeple. Or was he doing this just for points? I think they were doing it for points, but I could see him trying to triple at NCAA's. I think Iowa State might be like. Hey, Kip Two, let's let's see. If it, it, like, I think he could get more. Po- if he can do this three day of in three days, he can run this fast of times. He easily can mm-hmm. run a a ten k, a, a steeple prelim, then a ten k, yeah. then a steeple final, and then a five k. I think he might triple at NCAA's. He won't win any of them, but he'll at least win the steeple, right? They'll guarantee the win in the steeple. That's 10. And then he could get top five in the other two events. That gets you more yeah. than winning a double. Like, if you can get over 20 points combined, then it'll have been worth it. He won the 5K by 14 seconds on the last <laughs> the last day. He was ahead by the – at 1K, he was ahead by 10 seconds. Over this the eventual is, second place. Oh, oh, oh! Sorry, he wasn't ahead by ten seconds. He was ahead of of Ryan Shoppy, the eventual second place runner by ten seconds at one k. But he had some. Isai Rodriguez was with Isai Rodriguez. Tried to hold on and then eventually fell off and ended up running thirteen fifty two. I don't know why anybody tries to other than Mance. Like yeah, like Kip two should come with a warning label before each race because if you decide to run with him it's not going to end well and it's going to cause massive addition to your time unless you're connor mance basically yeah i opened a segment talking about connor mance uh but like mance's win over kip two is incredible i just especially Mm -hmm. in the cross country realm uh and now kip uh connor mance he did run a a fast 10k he ran 2741 which is the NCAA lead right now over the two NAU guys and the two Iowa State guys. But we're underestimating Connor Mance because he just beat a guy who put together the greatest triple a few months later. Um, Mance is going to be a sneaky pick at the trials, I think, right? You, you got to mm-hmm. look at him as a favorite potential in the 10K now. Uh, yeah. He'll be in the mix in the five at NCAAs, but as you know, NCAA 5K is insane. Uh, but now, what do you think on Connor Mance's resume now going into the Olympic trials, having a 27-40 uh, PB, having a win over a, a man who's, who does this incredible triple? What are your thoughts on Connor Mance? Yeah, I think – yeah, I mean, I, I think he's looking good for for the 10,000. I mean, he doesn't have a standard, correct? So that's going to be a problem for – the trials. I don't know the world rankings situation with him. I I feel like just go in and compete. You're right for the trials. I know it's cliche, but just like go run it. We don't think the race is going to go that fast. But even if you don't get the standard, you come up short on the team, but you're, you're able to mix it up with those top guys. I think it's a win for man. I mean, where he's coming back next year to, to college, we, we believe. Anyway, I don't. It's just funny because each week 
with this group of 5K guys that you've laid out for us all, it's like someone does something ridiculous every single week, but they do it in a different way. So like Mance does this great 10K, but then <laughs> Kip2 does this insane, insane triple. And we saw, I guess, Coop ran pretty well too at, at yeah, Pac-12s. So it's like everybody's like getting all these victories. They're just adding more and more stuff to their resume. Uh, and no one's really falling off because Kip2 was the guy you had at the bottom of that list because of, of his closing speed. But now it's you have you'd be like, oh, am I gonna ignore a guy who tripled at Big 12s and ran 13, 13 29? Three meet at the records end? in a row. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just don't I just it, it's hard to discount any of these guys. And I'm not saying that just to be nice. I'm saying that because that's the reality of how good they're all running right now. The, per- the person you give the least credit to is the person who just doesn't run that week because they slip a little bit farther back in your mind. But every single other person creates a headline in some form or fashion. Mance almost got the school record, right? And I still, his coach still has it by a fraction of a, a second, but it's still a crazy time. And then Kipti does this and Tier does that. Oh, speaking of Pac-12s, Isaiah Jewett gets the win in the 800. Good call by you there. I want to give you some credit because we don't talk enough about the things you get right on the show. So props to him. And then uh, back to BYU for a moment at that sound running meet, Whitney Orton of uh, the Cougars, 15-12. That's the ninth best mark in NCAA history. And her teammate, Courtney Weymouth, in the slower section ran 15-17. So Orton's mark, obviously, a uh, NCAA lead there. Yeah. One last thing on the NCAA 5K, because as you know, it is my favorite event of the year, of 2021. <laughs> um, like I said, this past weekend, I had no life because my girlfriend was out of town. So I just watched a lot of track and NBA basketball. Um, and I watched the Big Sky 1500. And Impressive. it was at altitude. And Grijalva won in like a, a time that converts to like 337. But I watched the race. And watching Grijalva in the final, like, 300 meters, mm-hmm. okay, this is going to – I might – don't – it might be hyperbolic, but Clip this, he, reminded me of, he reminded me of Centro. He looked so – he looked like he just had a different smooth gear where, like, he just, like, turned it on, and then all of a sudden he's like, I'm passing you, and I'm going to keep breaking away from you. The way Centro, when he knows he's going to make a move – Everyone is struggling to keep up, and he's just like slowly just pulling away without any mm-hmm. showing signs of any type type of stress. Yeah, Grijalva looks that way when he goes into his kick. He just like slowly just pulls away from you, and you're like, "How's he doing this? His his legs aren't going faster, but he's just pulling away, and everyone is struggling." Mm-hmm. And I I just had like a little flashback of Centro type style running in Grijalva, and I think we're gonna see that in the five k at NCAA's where when he turns on his kick, he's just going to pull away from people and everyone's going to be like, whoa, Grijalva's yeah. legit. So, yeah. That's, so that was so my one last... You're excited about the NCAA men's 5K. Is that what you're saying? I am excited about the NCAA men's 5K. Everyone did a great job. Mance had his 10K. Kipti did his triple. Grijalva did his central impression. Cooper Tier won the 1500 at Pac-12s. Cole Hawker won the 5K at Pac-12s. It's all coming together. Great time to be a to be a fan. <laughs> a fan of the men's the men's 5K. You were in early on that 
Okay, we got a couple minutes left. We need to go back to the track meet, the pro side of things, and okay. finish up finish up there. We talked about the five. We talked about Mohamed uh, coming back and winning that race. We talked about Central on the 15. Safan Hassan dominated the women's five, but there were some some U.S. performances there that I think are worth noting in terms of trials threats now. So you had Gisette Norris in there, break 15 minutes in the women's five. And you also had Rachel Snyder uh, run a really good one there. So, and run 14.52, Sisson 14.53. I told you, you give Emily Sisson three shots to make a team, she's going to figure out a way to get on the team. Maybe, probably more likely the 10, but solid in the five too. Gisette Norris in 2018, her 5K PB was 1620. Well, she mm -hmm. ran in 2016, she ran 1620. In 2018, she ran 1646. 2019, she had a breakout, runs 1529. 2020, 1557, and now 1451. She took off basically 40 seconds from her 2019 PB. And almost two minutes, almost two a minute and a half from her college PB in the 5K. Yeah. So it's that no, her progression is insane. She's 25 years old. I when you know how like there's a lot of people who are like they're good in college, but they're not great, and they kind of just want to like, yeah, I'm gonna enter some pro meets, and you're like, you're never gonna be. You have like this thought like, hey. It's okay to not like go to the next level. You're good in college, but like being a yeah. pro is for a select few. And Josette Norris, in my mind, was in that category. I was like, how's why is she still going? Like, you're running like 15:30. You have Shelby <laughs> Houlihan's running 14:20s. Like, it's okay. Right. But like, she has done incredible now. Like, she has become like better than the Emily Sissons and the. Emily Enfeld's and like oh, she's she has a PB of 406 in the 1500 and a PB of 1451 in the 5k that is I can make an Olympic team type resume in my opinion yeah. in the five like she's in the same category as me as like a Rachel Schneider almost I mean Schneider does have a little bit of faster speed she's run a, a faster 1500 in mile but like yeah she beat her in, in this 5k 1451 is no joke uh but it's just fun. It's I mean, I'm always gonna be like, hey, give up, but like they know something that I don't know. And there's always that one that slips through the cracks and it's like, no, if I give myself two to three more years at this, I can become an elite US fifteen five K runner and fifteen forty fifty fourteen fifty one is no joke. And uh much respect to uh just that Norse. So I just wanna say mm -hmm. that. I internally was like, What are you doing? But now I'm externally saying I'm glad you did it because you can make an Olympic team. So. Well, and she wasn't even, she wasn't in the rankings. Now you're gonna have to put in the yeah. top 15 for sure after exactly that that quickly. Schneider right there as well too. I think she did what she's solid, right? Like we know what to expect now. Rachel Snyder, she seems like she's able to go sub sub 14:55 with regular regularity at this point. The other events. Let me see here. What else? What other highlights do we have? For uh, this oh, Kate Grace had a good fifth. 
uh, I'll just say okay. 15. Yeah. Kate Grace had a good uh, 1,500, <clears throat> ran 403. Uh, you got a lot of people are thinking like Sinclair Johnson, Corey McGee, Shannon Roberry, maybe in that 15. But Kate Grace is like, don't forget about me. I may have less, left Bowerman, but I haven't left the sport of track. I can still run fast. Mm-hmm. She runs 403. That's legitimate. Um, I think in general, the, the Bowerman women kind of didn't really have that great of a meet, right? Sinclair Johnson struggled in the 15. You had Emily Enfeld and Ma- Mario Hall not run well in the five. Or, I mean, was it? Yeah, in the five. So, like, uh, yeah. what are your thoughts on the Bow- the Bowerman women not really putting together a, a strong meet? We're so used to seeing them show up and be like the Bowerman show. Well, what's interesting is of all the Bowerman people, men and women, the person who had the best showing probably was Centro, which going in you would have not expected that to be the case because they had a lot of people entered. GDS ran pretty well in the, the 800 as well too. Um, I, it's hard to tell because they race so sparingly and they're coming off altitude and they're, they were missing some of their best athletes like Shelby and Kirsten Schweizer. So I don't know. I'm not going to fall for it. I'm not going to think that this means anything crazy. Listen, they're going to have people on their team that don't make the team. That's just math. Yeah, it's true. At this point. Yeah. And because and because they've compiled so much so much talent there. But I'm not giving up on Sinclair Johnson just because she had one one bad race in the yeah. same way. You know, you wouldn't have given up on somebody a couple weeks ago who had a, a bad race. I have no idea what's going on adapting to altitude. I'm not hugely concerned about it. I just thought it was funny that the, the one person who everybody was like, it's danger time, it's panic time, Centro, he's the one who ends up running running the best. So much can change in a month. We never remember these races. When the trials happens, our yeah. memory of everything before it gets completely wiped out. And it was – you don't go back and say, oh, man, well, two months before, they ran a really slow 1,500. No one really cares. They'll run another tune-up race, and, and they should be fine. The eight was interesting, though, too, because you had – Laura Muir, again, of Great Britain, run 158 and get the win. But there's another sub-two U.S. woman now, Allie Wilson. She gets it done. Uh, Hannah Green and Eleanor Perrier both ran under two minutes there as well. And then the sprint side of things, Trayvon Bromel, 992, gets the win. Omar McLeod won the hurdles 13-11, which is fast time. Credit to Omar McLeod for, for getting it done. I have no idea how fast this track is because it's not like it's on the, the circuit every year. So to put those times up um, is is mighty impressive. Yeah, man. Let's go. So yeah, this week, live on Flow, we're gonna have the Ostrava Continental Tour on Wednesday. It's gonna be mm-hmm. wild. Uh, the Boston Continental Tour will be live in Australia on Saturday or Sunday. But the Ostrava Ostrava one, it's gonna be available to U.S. and Canada and Australia. So that's gonna be a fun one. Basically, all the Continental Tours are live in the U.S., except for the three U.S.-based ones. It's a rights thing. Mm-hmm. It's how it works. NBC. It's chaotic. But it's going to be fun. We're going to get some good times. We'll preview that tomorrow. We'll also have the one and only Elliot Kipchoge on the pod. Talk about mm-hmm. what's going on in in his on his side of the, of the world. He's in Kenya doing his thing, getting ready for something called the Olympics. You might have was heard that the about first it. time you zoomed with somebody from Kenya? Yeah, so what's the first time I zoomed someone from Kenya? I can check that off my Zoom everyone from every country list. I just have, a, what, 200-some countries to go? Did you do this when you were done talking to him? Did you do the awkward, bye, Elliot? 
No. But there is going to be – you can watch the unedited. There's some stuff in the beginning before we started recording and stuff at the end after we started recording that won't make the podcast cut that maybe you, Kevin, can just enjoy some fun little Gordon Kipchoge back-and-forth moments Gander. that won't make that won't make the air. Like, yeah. Listen. Like, listen, I wrote this down. Simmons and Embiid, when they're on the court together, the net rating way better than yeah. Curry and Clay Thompson. It actually is. I actually did that math. No lie. If you include the first four years together and including playoffs, Curry and Thompson's net rating was ten, and no, it was nine. And Simmons and Embiid is ten. So, what did Kipchoge say about that? Though Kipchoge said, "Well, I did ask Kipchoge about the Tinman situation. If he's like, who who's in the right? Is it Tammy, Tom Schwartz's wife, or is it Sam Parsons and Drew Hunter?" And he was like, "Oh, don't get me started." I uh, they he just you know he he kind of wanted to plead yeah. the fifth on that situation. That's a joke, by the way, people. Don't don't tune in tomorrow hey, thinking that you're. Gonna... It could be real. Yeah, you never know. Tune in. Maybe I asked him that question. You never know. All right, we'll leave it there. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, the Flowtrack Podcast YouTube channel, and the Flowtrack YouTube channel. Tune in tomorrow. We'll preview Ostrava and we'll have the interview with the one. The only Iliad Kipchoge coming up 9 a.m. Central tomorrow. Thanks to Colt. Thanks to Travis. We'll talk to you guys then.